All right. Good morning. How's everyone doing? So I, I, um, I tell you what, beginning of the day, my voice was fine, and all of a sudden, the first service, I started preaching, and I don't know what happened. I might have swallowed a, th- a frog or something, but <clears throat> it might have something to do with Friday. Uh, I'm going back to school to get my master's in Christian ministry, and so I, I applied for this Leedy Scholarship. One of the things that you do, though, is you play in a golf, schol- golf marathon, and I did that on Friday. I walked 54 holes of golf, and... Uh, I don't know if I should clap or call, call help for me because uh, that was not very smart. It was fun. I felt fine on Friday. Then Saturday came and I was like, I overdid it. I overdid it. And I think I'm still feeling the effects uh, this morning. But um, we're starting a new series. I have questions. And uh, that should definitely be one of the questions. Why would you golf 54 holes of golf? But um, uh, it was for a good cause, I guess. And uh, there's a lot of questions that we have in this life, don't we? I'll, I'll say, a, I'll name a few uh, questions that we will not uh, will not cover. Is cereal soup? I don't know. Is cereal soup okay? Is is Scott's uh, spicy chili? Is that soup or is it actually chili? We don't know. Is it legal? Maybe we should ask that question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? There'd be some difference of opinion. We got some strong opinions over here. There's, yes, that is a sandwich. How about this? Professional wrestling, real or fake? <laughs> Cooper's however you are. It's real. It's real. It's real. <laughs> All right. And here's another question. What is a Buckeye? All right. And what is a Buckeye good for? All right. Nothing? <laughs> yeah, a Michigan fan would say nothing, all right? I think there would, you would have some opposition to that answer, Sarah, all right? How, how about this question? What is greater than God, more evil than the devil? The poor have it, the rich need it, and if you eat it, you will die. Does anybody know that riddle? Nothing, nothing, all right? And hopefully that leads into the actual questions that we're going to uh, that we're going to dive into these next few weeks. We're going to dive into questions like, why don't I always feel close to God? Why don't I always feel God's presence? It's a tough question. Why would God use me? How can God use somebody like me? Why doesn't God always seem fair? Or put in other words, why do, good, why do bad things happen to good people? But today we're going to talk about prayer. Why doesn't God answer my prayer? Have you asked that question? Have you wrestled with that one? Why hasn't God answered my prayer? In John 14, it says this. It says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they prayed And all of a sudden, they were saved from a fiery furnace. The ultimate fire insurance right there because of their prayers. Daniel prayed and he shut the mouths of hungry lions. Jonah prayed and a fish swallowed him and gave him a ride to the shore. Jesus prayed and he took two fish and five loaves and made a buffet meal for 5,000 people. But I pray. And nothing happens. 
It just seems like crickets. It seems like God doesn't answer my prayer. Why? We a lot of times talk about the prayers that God did answer. And we talk about the victories. But a lot of times we don't talk about the defeats or where God was silent. I'll never forget, and I don't know if this is a good example or not, but it was on a Monday night. And we have our Monday night basketball league in, uh, in the winters. And I don't know if you've heard this phrase or not, church basketball. It's the brawl that begins with prayer or not. I like to think that that's not always the case here. I'm going to take some water here. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to make it through this. <clears throat> I like to think that that's not always the case here. That didn't help at all, did it? Before every game, I try to remind our guys, because once there's score, there's a scoreboard out there, and we're keeping score, and teams are trying to win, sometimes our competitive juices get flowing, and I know that's the case for me, as well as just anybody that's in the league, but we remind each other, hey, this is why we're here. We have an opportunity over the next hour to honor God with our play, to honor one another, to have some good fellowship, to have some good fun. Leave the score up to God. And I can remember this one night. I even shared this devotion. I used one of my favorite stories of my kids of all time. That, you know, I shared about how my kids were, were racing to the, to the car one day in the parking lot. And I can remember that Brooks made it to the car first. But Avery got in her seat and, and got her seatbelt on first. And so they were arguing about who won. You know, there's no good answer to that to that question, all right, to that argument. And I was getting tired of it. I was like, guys, that's enough. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, and that didn't suffice. I, I said, you know what, guys, you just need to say it. Say it. It doesn't matter. They couldn't say it. They could not say it. I said, all right, <clears throat> if you don't say it, if you don't say it doesn't matter, then you both lose. Oh, silence. All of a sudden, Brooks... All right, he relents, and he says, it doesn't matter. All right, he didn't want to lose. And Avery then relented and said, it doesn't matter. And I kid you not, the next words out of Brooks's mouth were this, I said it first. <laughs> and so I shared, <clears throat> sorry, I shared that, that story with him, and I said, hey, what does matter is how we honor God these next, this next hour how you play and how you respect one another, that does matter. How you live for him does matter. And then I prayed that we would, this next hour, honor God. And I kid you not, it was two minutes later, two guys were in each other's face ready to throw down. And I thought, God, where are you in this moment? I think that we've all had those situations where we ask God, why don't you answer our prayers? That family that's praying to conceive a child. That family that's praying for that loved one that just refuses to go God's way. Refuses to put him first. I prayed for years for my brother. I prayed years for my friend to accept Jesus. That prayer for that sick loved one that just never found healing. I think that we've all had 
those kind of prayers. We all have those, man, I wish my mom was still here. I wish my friend was still around. For me, I always wish I could have had the opportunity to get to know my grandpa. He died of complications due to being a child diabetic when I was just one year old. And I can remember my dad telling me how much I would have enjoyed getting to know him. He was a really good farmer in Iowa, always had the newest equipment, always farmed a lot of land. My dad would say that he had a joke for everything. Imagine that. I can remember my dad saying, so many sentences would start with, I can remember my dad saying, or I remember my dad would do this. I wish I could have gotten to know him. I wish he could have got to know me. I think that we all have that prayer. God, where were you? Why didn't you answer my prayer? And today we're going to look at a few scriptures that might help us gain a better understanding of where God was at, what he was doing, or maybe why he didn't answer our prayers. First of all, it's, it's this. In, math, in Mark eleven twenty four and 25, it says this. It says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone forgive him so that your father in heaven may forgive you of your sins and i think that first one is this maybe god's not answering your prayer because there's a broken relationship in your life maybe god isn't answering your prayer because there's a conflict that is going on that needs to be taken care of first i really believe that you can't have that vertical relationship where it should be if you're not working out those horizontal relationships with those around you. We can't expect the relationship with our Father in heaven to be good when we refuse to show forgiveness or love to others around us, to friends, to loved ones, to coworkers, to enemies. In 1 John, he says that you cannot say that you love God and hate your brother. And in Matthew 5, it talks about how we need to bring our offering to God. But if we say, hold on, there's somebody that I'm upset with. There's a broken relationship in my life. And he says, leave your gift there. Leave your gift at the altar and go make it right. See, he doesn't want you. He, does, he wants your gift. He wants to use you. He wants to make it right. But also relationships matter to God. They matter to him and they should matter to us. They asked Jesus out of all the commands, what was the greatest? And he said this. He says, number one is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And he says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I think it's great that of all the commands that he's given to us. He picks two that will build relationship, that will build the kingdom. Relationships matter to God. 
And maybe there's a broken relationship in your life. Second of all, maybe you have wrong motives in our prayers. James 4.3 says this, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. The Pharisees were known for this. They would go out in the streets and they would pray as loud as they could so that people could see them and see how great they were. I'll never forget in college, I'd experienced similar to this. These cute girls, I think Audra's in the back there, I better be careful, all right? They were not even close to as cute as Audra, all right? Not even close. We're, we're celebrating 19 years of marriage tomorrow. And if I wanted to be 20, I better be really, really good here. I better be really careful. But they asked me to pray, and my motive was this. I wonder what prayer could lead to. Now, that's pretty bad, isn't it? All right, that's pretty bad. And so we prayed, all right? And we prayed, and we prayed, and it was great. I enjoyed the prayer for the first two and a half hours of prayer with these. They weren't as cute after two and a half hours. I'll just put it that way. But we prayed. I, I was running out of things to pray for. I was praying for my neighbor, my, my neighbor's aunt, my neighbor's aunt's cat. All right. I was just trying to figure out things to pray for. Well, finally, we ended. And the first thing that out of these girls' mouth was this. Three and a half hours. We prayed three and a half hours. It's a new record. And I wish they would have told me beforehand that they were going for the world record prayer. But the motives weren't right. We need to make sure that our motives for praying is right. Bless my business, but we're not willing to tithe. Help me win the lottery. I'll give half of it. Help me with this promotion. Help my team win. Help them to see the light the way that I see it. Bless me. Whenever I was going through this, I thought of this song called Shopping List by Larry Bryant, and it goes like this. I want a nice white smile on a perfect face a, and perfect hair that will stay in place. I want a smaller nose and a single chin and a figure like a perfect 10 and a mom that never yells or screams and hits and hips that fit in designer jeans, and a tennis court, and a heated pool. I could use them, Lord, as a witnessing tool, and a color TV, and a VCR. This is an old song. <laughs> and Jesus plates on a brand new car. Give me this. I want that. Bless me, Lord, I pray. Grant me what I think I need to make it through the day. Make me wealthy. Make me healthy. Fill in what I've missed on my never-ending shopping list. And I don't know if your prayers have gone something like that. I hope they're not that ridiculous. But of course, we must weigh our motives. Our motives for our, our prayers must be weighed. In Proverbs 16, 2, it says this. It says, all a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. I really believe that real, real prayer will change our motivation, will change our hearts, will change how we see the situation. And, and that will become our new motivation if we pray with the right motives. Thirdly, maybe you, 
Maybe you don't believe. Maybe your faith isn't where it should be. In Mark 9, they said, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us, Lord. Talking to Jesus. And Jesus responded, if you can't, everything is possible for him who believes. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he can? Do you believe that he will? Hebrews 11.1 says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. In Hebrews 11.6, it says that we cannot please God without faith. We have that kind of faith. Over and over again, according to our faith, it will be done unto us. James 1 says, but when, we, when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man, that man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. We need to remember that we can ask for anything. If we have enough faith, faith as small as a mustard seed, it will be done. I'm going to try one more time here. Fourthly, there we go, that's better. Maybe God has something different in mind. Maybe he has something different. In 1 John, it talks about this. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what he asks of him. We need to remember that the answer might not always be yes. Sometimes it might be no. Sometimes it might be maybe. Sometimes it might be wait. Wait. I really love the story of Joseph. I don't know if you remember Joseph in the coat of many colors. He was somebody that God had pictured a bright future for. He was the favored son. He had the ability to interpret dreams. He had given Joseph the vision that he was going to rule someday. He was going to do something great with Joseph. And then all of a sudden, Joseph found himself in a pit. How could it get worse than where I'm at right now? But it did. It got worse for Joseph. He was sold into slavery. He was in slavery for 11 years. 11 years he was a slave. How could it get worse than being a slave? Well, it did for Joseph because he was thrown in jail for something he didn't do. It says that he was in jail for at least two years. And I couldn't imagine being on this journey if anyone had the right to say, God, where are you at? Why aren't you answering my prayers? It was Joseph. Joseph could have quit any time and said, I give up on you, God. But instead, it says the exact opposite about Joseph. It says that he was faithful. And it says that God was with him wherever he went. He prospered in whatever situation that God put him in. And it was not just those 13 years that he was separate from his family, but it says that it was 22 years that he was separate from his family. 
And during that time, God put Joseph in an amazing place. He put him in a place where he could help his family. He could save his family. He could save his, save his people. And when his family finally came to come get food, to come get rescue, they had no idea it was Joseph. And he finally said, guys, it's me. It's your brother. And he could have really laid into him. But instead he says, hey, what you have intended for evil, God intended for good. It wasn't you who sent me here, but rather it was God who sent me here. And he sent me here to save you. He sent me here to save my family. He sent me here to save my people. From slavery to prison to the prince of Egypt. And because Joseph was faithful... Psalm 145 says this, the Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Do you believe that today? I know that for me, looking back at my life, there's been a lot of ups and there's been a lot of downs. A lot of prayers that were answered for sure. God has been good. But there's been a lot of open-ended prayers. There's been a lot of no's. There's been a lot of wait and sees. But there's one prayer that God always seems to answer. And that's unselfish prayer. That prayer that Josiah made today, God, I want to be yours. Make me yours. That prayer that says, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me? Who do you want me to help? God always seems to answer in some amazing ways. As long as we partner with the Holy Spirit, we will find God's will. I really believe that God led me to prayer, that kind of prayer in college. You know, God, what do you want me to do? I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. And he led me to this small rural church in Hanover to Ohio to be their youth minister. Not exactly what I had planned on, but I said anywhere. And God blessed and it's really led us down a life of ministry and goodness and being part of a church family, church families that love the Lord and have loved us. There's been so many times when we've been able to say, you know, wonder where that next paycheck is going to come from or that next, how we're going to pay that next bill. And we're able to say, the Lord will provide. And he has. Through so many ways. The Lord has provided whenever we needed help with the kids. The Lord has provided, and we needed a lot of help. Whenever I decided to start this sports ministry, I couldn't do it alone. These basketball leagues, one by one, all help, all help, all help, all coach. I'll do whatever you need. The Lord will provide. 
over and over again in our marriage and our ministry, we've been able to confidently say the Lord will provide. But I don't know that I've, I would have ever asked that question, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? If it hadn't been for somebody named Troy Justice. I really owe a lot to Troy. I looked up to Troy. I wanted to be Troy. Troy was with Athletes in Action. And uh, every year in college, it just so happened that Troy's team, and he was coaching by this point, he was coaching Athletes in Action, they would play us at Geneva College. And uh, Athletes in Action is a mission basketball team that would go out and uh, play basketball games, normally against Kentucky and North Carolina and Ohio State, and then their true test, Iowa, all right, true test. But then they would share the gospel and good news of Jesus Christ at halftime. And they would play us every year as a warm-up to their, to their season. Every year they would trounce us pretty good. But it was my junior year, and Troy asked me to share my testimony. And it scared me to death. I thought, I, I can't do that. I don't speak in front of people. There's no way. But I couldn't tell Troy that. There's no good way to say no. So I said, okay, I'll do it. And so I worked on that testimony. It's still the same testimony I share about my life today. And what God was doing in my life during my college years. And it came time for me to give my testimony and share. And it went well. And I know that people were blessed. And I realized coming out of there that I could. I could share in front of people. I could speak in public. And possibly ministry would be a, po a possibility. But that's not the end of the story, but rather the beginning. See, we would never, I would have never known Troy had he not gone to Nebraska Christian College. And met and married one of his professor's daughters at Nebraska Christian College named Andrea. Andrea DeFore. That we knew. We knew Andrea because my dad had served in ministry in Worthington, Minnesota with her dad. Served together for five years in Worthington, Minnesota. And we knew that family. We were friends with that family. But my dad would have never been in Worthington, Minnesota, had he not felt a call to get closer to his dad back in the mid-70s who was dying due to complications with diabetes. See, my grandpa in the late 60s, he was in a bad farming accident, and it wouldn't have been so terrible had he not been a diabetic a child diabetic. It really shortened his life by many years. And 
I wish I could go back and talk to that 14-year-old. Lawrence Norman. Who in the middle of the Great Depression found out they had diabetes and he knew it was going to be at least a tough road. I wish I could go back and say, Grandpa, it's not going to be easy, but at least for me, God's going to turn this into a blessing. Thank you. Thank you for going down this road and doing it faithfully. And my grandpa was faithful all through his years, faithful to the church, faithful to his family, faithful to his God. And I'm so thankful that even though it was hard and it seemed like God may not have been answering his prayers at the time. He's willing to stay faithful. What do I believe about prayer? I really believe it's not so much about us, but it's about God's will. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego share this about prayer. It says, if you are thrown in the blazing furnace and God, and the God we serve is able, he can to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from it. Oh, your majesty. But even if he does not, even if he does not, we want you to know, king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And I believe that prayer. I believe God can. I believe God will, but even, even if he doesn't, I will still believe. I'll still be faithful. I'll still give. I'll still serve. My way into the church this morning, I heard this song on the radio, and I just want to read it to you. Obviously, I won't sing it. And it goes like this. I was sure by now, God, you would have reached down and wiped away our tears, stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen that it's still raining. As the thunder rolls, I barely hear your whisper through the rain. I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I raise my hands in praise to the God who gives and takes away. And takes away. See, I lift my eyes into the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And I'll praise you in this storm. I will lift my hands that you are who you are, no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand. You never left my side. And though my heart is torn, I will praise you in this storm. I don't know what each one of you is going through. I don't know what prayers are on your heart today. 
But I pray that whatever they are, that you give those over to God, that you pray in faith, and that you know that God is there, that he loves you, and he's got a bright, bright future for each one of you. We know this because of what he did for us on that cross. He's willing to sacrifice, willing to give. And that's true today as it was 2,000 years ago. Let's pray. God, I thank you. Thank you for an opportunity to worship this morning. I thank you for an opportunity to get into your word. And as we lift up prayers to you, I pray that we can see your hand in every situation. We can see you working. And where we can't, I pray that we trust. I know looking back, each one of us over and over again can say, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. You are good and you are faithful and you love us. And I know that it's storms roll our way and there are storms that we'll put our trust and faith in you and in you alone. We love you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.